1: Welcome everyone back to another edition of New Books in Education. This is your host, Ryan Allen, and I'm excited today to bring you a book that might not be what you would think about on this education podcast, but I think there's very important points that connect quite well, uh, and I think it's going to be interesting uh, to to the audience here. Uh, And this is, What is Your Race, the Census, and Our Flawed Efforts to Classify Americans? And this is by Dr. Kenneth Pruitt. Of Columbia University and uh, former Census Bureau director. Uh, so, Dr. Pruitt, thank you for joining me
2: today. It's my pleasure. Thank
1: you. Can you maybe just uh, open the audience up and, and and let them know a little bit about your how do you how do you become the Census Bureau director? Uh, or how do you get interested and in, in, involved in, in the census or counting people, statistics, things like that?
0: Um, I think you become a Census director unexpectedly. Uh, it's not a job for which you prepare yourself. Uh, the Census Bureau has never made an internal appointment that has promoted somebody from within. That would be what you might normally expect, but they've always gone outside uh, to get a, a, a director. Since uh, the Census Bureau itself was formed, which was in the early part of the 20th century, before that, the census was taken uh, every, you staffed up every every 10 years. Um, <clears throat> in my own case, um, I was an academic. I was uh, running a research institute at the time. I had also been director of the National Opinion Research Center, so I knew something about the phenomenon. I never expected to be director of the census And I got a phone call saying, Could I nominate people? I nominated a couple of people because I knew the academic world, people engaged in this kind of activity. And then they invisibly and said, What about yourself? I said, My gosh, I have to think about that. Correct. Right. So I went home and talked to my wife and said, What do you think? And we together said, Okay, it would be an interesting change in what I was doing? Mm. And I said, Yes, and I was their only candidate. Um, it was a long process. It's a presidentially appointed uh Senate confirmed position, so there's a lot of background checks and so forth and so on. At the end of the day, uh I was asked to uh, by the president to fact, by the president. Fact, by the president
1: right. And this is in two
0: thousand, yeah, yes. Yeah, this is for the two thousand census. This is ninety eight in the spring uh, fall of ninety eight, so I had about a year and a half for the census itself. And since it's presidentially appointed, I did not stay long. Um, because uh, that was the election year. Bush, of course, being, uh, uh and uh, that's why I left. it. I was there only until early, early 2001. Okay. But I did the census itself, managed the 2000 census.
1: Sure, sure. And, and this book, what I really fa- find interesting of it is you are informed by your position uh, as Census Bureau Director, but you're also informed by your academic Background. So maybe if we can kind of jump into that a little bit. Uh, you you open the book up with just describing what what are statistical races or w- what what even is that? Maybe people don't really understand. Uh, we just take it for granted this this idea that we have black, white, uh, Asian, Hispanic. Uh, and what else am I missing? That's, I guess, that's the, an American, an American yeah. Indian. So we take it for granted that that we have these statistical races. Can you kind of maybe describe uh, what these mean, and maybe kind of how, maybe give us a brief background? It's quite complicated, but how we sort of uh, came came to this uh, system. Yeah.
0: The Constitution itself mandates a census, and it mandates, in effect, a racial classification component to that census from 1790 on. Uh, the three races, not by name, but uh, implicitly because of the way the Constitution is written, that we had to count in 1790, were in fact, the white, black, and red race, the, uh, the Europeans, um, the African Africans, in effect African slaves, of course, and the American Indian. The actual category itself talks about um, uh, counting the taxed Indian, not the untaxed Indians. So these were the Indians living in the colonies in 1790. Um, The count of the whites, uh, European race is straightforward, you have to have a count in order to allocate seats in the House of Representatives. The count of the blacks is is contested. Um, Some argument, especially the North, said you shouldn't count the African slaves at all. Uh, And the Southerners wanted to count the slaves 100%, -hmm. because that would increase their representation in the House of Representatives. Uh, the compromise was to count the slave population as at point six sixty percent of its actual numbers. That gave a huge advantage to the South um, uh, in terms of seats in the House of Representatives uh, and all that goes along with that. Right.
1: I think it's interesting. People don't often think of the census as maybe being this uh, institution that's been around since the beginning, or maybe they don't even know why we do this every year. Just you know, we do it to so we know, but it, it's very important when we are talking about proportional representation in, in uh, Congress and then also uh, for the Electoral College as well. Yes. Um, but can you kind of maybe go into this idea of the races? This, is, this isn't this is something that we made up as Americans per se, but it goes back to uh, so just European scientists and these different sort of categories that they created. Can you kind of talk about uh, some of these sort of scientists?
0: Uh, the natural history uh, struggled with this question of different population groups around the world, and you can find so called racial or ethnic classifications that run into the hundreds. Um, the one that became dominant fairly quickly uh, derives from Linnaeus, um, the great uh, uh, classification uh, a scientist, uh, Swedish, in, in the, um, the 1750s and 60s, and he had four races. He was slightly updated by a German doctor, in effect a student of Linnaeus, in 1776, and he produced what were five major races of mankind. They, in effect, are the five continents uh, and also the five colors. So it was European, it was Asian, it was African, uh, it was the New new World, the Americas, and the Pacific Islanders. Mm. And that gave us brown, brown for Pacific Islanders, red for American Indian, white for the European, of course, black for the African, and yellow for the Asian. So there was a color-coded biological essentialism associated with the large continental areas of the world. Um, and that, even though there were many, many variations of that, that system uh, sort of took c- c- control over a lot of science uh, as early as, as, as the, uh, as the uh, end of the 18th century and all through the 19th century. The census catches up with that classification because it it starts with three of those races, white, uh, uh, black, and red, and then later adds uh, the yellow race when we begin to get Asian uh, Mm -hmm. immigrants, and much later the brown race, the Pacific Islander, and so forth. Uh, You mentioned Hispanics a moment. That's extremely important. The Hispanics Hispanics come into the census in the 1960s and 70s, but they come in as an ethnicity. We'll get back to that later.
1: That's that's definitely important for the, the contemporary context. Uh, but look, I think the, the history of this is just so fascinating and people don't, I don't think really know how we came up with these. For instance, there's a there's a great detail in the book about sort of classification of Asians uh, where it was just sort of in a, in a meeting behind closed doors that they just said, okay well, uh, Chinese and Japanese, uh, we're just going to count everything the same. Just that was the decision, and ever since then, uh, that's kind of that's how it's happened. Can you kind of talk about how these decisions
0: were made then, or, or? Let's, let's separate the sense of sure. uh, the centuries and just talk yeah. first about the nineteenth century. Mm-hmm. Um, the idea of statistical races is my idea; it's my terminology, but it's what you get when you have a classification system. Uh, and you count people according to categories uh, that are preset. Uh, the, the 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 people who preset these categories were, of course, the political leaders of the country. You have to count in order to do public policy. Uh, it can be a very primitive count, um, but when you're actually wanting to run a slave state, you want to know how many slaves you have. If you're wanting, wanting to run a, a state of policies based upon gender inequalities, uh, then you've got to get a count of the women and the men. If you want to run a public education system of some sort, you want to know how many school-age kids you have? So counting in order to do public policy is as old as the union itself. Very primitive and immature counting in the, in the uh, early 19th century, late 18th century, 1790, 1800, 1810, but it gets more and more sophisticated by the middle of the, of the, of the 19th century when we had all kinds of other questions like occupational classifications, uh, income classifications. They they produce Mm -hmm. statistical versions of, in effect, a demographic reality. And these statistical versions become the the platform for doing public policy. Mm -hmm. And that is true for doing race policy, whether the policy is exclusionary or inclusionary. Mm -hmm. It was exclusionary, of course, of creating second-class citizens, uh, all through the first, uh, uh, the 19th century, well into the 20th century, for the African American population. Right. But for the, you take the Asians. First, we had Chinese workers who came to the West Coast, and they were Chinese. We treated them as Chinese. We counted them as Chinese. A little later, the Japanese came in large number, um, and so we counted them as Japanese in the census. But the census process decided at a certain point late in the 19th century, why don't we just count them as Asians, as a single category. So instead of being, the Japanese and the the, the Chinese did not think of themselves as belonging to the same race at all. They had different, uh, in fact, the the Japanese were largely Christians, the ones who came. Um, They had different languages, they had different cultures, they fought each other. So they didn't think of themselves as the same population. but uh, but the census decided it would be an Asian race in our census numbers. Right. Uh, and and so we added that as the fourth major category. Mm-hmm. And then later in the 20th century, we had when we had more Pacific Islanders, Hawaii became a state. Um, of course, in the 20th century, uh, we added the brown race as a as a category. Mm-hmm. These become the units of making public policy. That's the important thing. Yeah. Um, That's to, to understand. That's why I talk about. Statistical races are different from biological races, whatever that may mean. Socially constructed races we talked about in the 20th century, fine identity races in the late part of the, of the 20th, early part of the 21st century. Mm-hmm. But underneath all of that, for public policy purposes, the statistical races are what matter.
1: Right, right. and it, it's interesting. I think that you know we we take these ideas that we we talk about so often in, in sort of the modern discourse, and they kind of formed uh, through a big part through this the census, right? We created these boxes that we needed to tick, and just through sort of potentially institutional theory or something, that, that's just how we refer to them today. Uh, what about the idea, what about if somebody doesn't fit in the box? And you think that that is probably a big issue today, but this is actually something that has been a problem at least for for census since maybe the the very beginning especially if you think of uh, uh, slaves who had uh, uh, relations with their with their masters or things like that what was the response from the census and from uh, society for, for this kind of other category or um, sort of half races things like that
0: uh, there are two dimensions of your question a very very important uh, question uh, You have a classification system, what happens if people don't fit into it? Well, they're made to fit into it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Let's take the first issue. Um, What's the difference in a a white and a black? Uh, Okay, if you start on the Nile River at Alexandria, you're looking at a very white population, European-looking population. If you go up river all the way to Ethiopia, uh, which is one source of the Nile, are in Uganda, the other source of the Nile, by the time you get to the sources of the Nile, you're looking at very dark, quote-unquote, African people. Very different races from the Now, At what point along the Nile does the population cease to be European and become African? Mm. In Khartoum, uh, in uh, uh, Luxor, um, and, and there is no, no point at which you could say, aha, now this is the dividing line. So the distinction between white and black is a is a very very modulated distinction as you go upstream uh, on the Nile River. The Census Bureau can't can't deal with that 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 gradual granularity. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's called clinal in the technical sense, a clinal distinction. It 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 just proceeds from white to black in a very series, a very subtle series of, of, of of very small steps. The census can't deal with that, mm-hmm. and so it has to say, "Aha, we're going to count Middle Easterners as white and Africans as as as, as black." Mm-hmm. So there's that ambiguity and and, and and difficulty. But then the one you mentioned is is my racial. right? Um, of course, all of us have more than one race in our if we believe in the word race at all. All of us have in our genetic structure probably the mixtures. But uh, the census added the question of mulatto mm-hmm. uh, to the uh, census itself in, in, in 1850. And it was put in to test a theory about mulattoes as being a weaker stock mm-hmm. than the pure black or the pure white. And that question stayed in the census uh, for 60 years. Mm-hmm. It was never used in public policy because it produced meaningless numbers. Mm-hmm. In fact, in mm-hmm. the latter part of that period, the actual question was um, not just mulatto, black-white, but room maybe you're only a quarter, one of your grandparents yeah. is, is, is black, or room, maybe, mm-hmm. um, maybe you're only one-eighth um, uh, black. And the census actually tried to count that. Mm-hmm. It was useless. It was meaningless, uh, of, of course. And then they... Moved into politically, you moved into one drop rule. Right. A black who has only one drop drop in their heritage, the census can't marry measure the one drop rule. It just became anybody who could remotely be thought of as black is going to be treated as black second class citizen, discriminated against. Can't be, can't live in certain neighborhoods. Can't marry a white. Um, can't um, uh, can't go to public schools. Uh, can't drink out of the water fountain. Uh, so the one-drop rule, in effect, just simply says anybody remotely black will be counted in the census as if they are black.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And there w- wasn't there also this idea that, that this mixing of the races would produce uh, sterile
0: people yes, as it well? Yes, was, it was like the mule. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, if you, uh, if a, a horse and a donkey uh, uh, produce, then you produce a mule, and the mule is expected to be um, uh, an infernal animal, mm-hmm. an infernal breed. Same thing with half-breeds, by the way. We talked about half-breeds being Indian and, 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 and white. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, the populations, especially out on the frontier, are all mixed up completely. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Escape slaves, ending up in Indian areas, end up cohabitating one way or the other with, with, with Indian populations. Mm-hmm. So you get a mixed Indian uh, of black population. Right. It's it, the assumption that there's something Biologically essential about something so tiny as the Africans, are the Asians, or the Europeans, is a is a political invention. Right, right. It, it, it doesn't have any uh, serious biological truth to it. Right,
1: and it's amazing that but that idea kind of stuck around maybe a lot longer than it, than it should have,
0: like today. Right, that's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. No, it, it's 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 a uh, uh, as, as I'll get to later in this conversation. I'm sure. Um, my own, uh, my own uh, feeling is we should get away with these kind of mm. very high-level aggregated kind of umbrella categories, sure. and and talk about national origin or ethnicity mm. or something that gives us more granularity and more more uh, more truth about our demography.
1: Mm. Okay. Well, yeah, we'll, we'll get to that in yeah, a second, right. but but I want to touch on it. I think an important point. This idea when, or what happens to the population, we say this is a white, but you start pouring maybe unsavory whites from parts of Europe that maybe the people over here aren't a fan of. How, how, does, how do those two ideas sort of bump into each other? Can you talk about you talk Certainly
0: about in, the, in the founding period, um, um, whites meant uh, what the European founders meant by that category. Uh, was of course the uh, the, the, the stock of, of, of the British Isles, the mm-hmm. British, the, the English, Northern Germans, um, but even in terms of Northern Germans, Saxons, and so forth, the Anglo-Saxon con- concept. Um, uh, Benjamin Franklin, Benjamin Franklin, as early as 186, worried about the Germans as being an alien race. Mm-hmm. They 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 kept hold of their own language. They um, they were a little darker than the uh, the pure. Uh, mm. uh, now don't forget, this is later the race that is the most pure race of all. <laughs> right. the Nazis and, and, and so forth. But but the, uh, the 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 white race was thought in the American political experience in the historical uh, period um, to be the Protestants, mm. white Anglo-Saxon right. Protestants. Uh, we call them WASP later on. Room um, was made for the Germans, gradually, but reluctantly, uh, but when it came to the alien races, i.e. the Jews and the Catholics, who were also white by skin color, and by whatever the nature is. Um, uh, there was a real rejection. Mm-hmm. When the, when the Ad- Italians and Irish came in large numbers to our country, they were treated as second-class citizens. Uh, they were called racists. They were called alien. Uh, there were lots of attempts to uh, keep them from the uh, university, from, from the public, you know, the private universities mm-hmm. today, and the were public universities. Yeah? Um, they were certainly segregated against their housing Uh, discriminated against the job opportunities, because they were an alien race. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Um, A very intense argument took place from roughly... uh, 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 1860, 70, into 1910s and 20s. uh, An immigration argument. Uh, The the immigration argument became racialized, as indeed it is today. Uh, in Europe and and here, uh, against alien races or alien religions, the Islamic religion in particular. Um, The the solution to that was a very uh, restrictive immigration law that was passed in the 1920s uh, to keep out the wrong kind of whites, which were too many Italians, too many Irish, too many uh, simply European, too many Jews, too many Catholics. Religious and and and, and origin, um, and that worked. We created a completely restrictive immigration system. It worked so well that we also didn't have much population growth, except mm-hmm. by, by by immigration from from nineteen twenties uh, uh, into the nineteen sixties. Mm-hmm. Uh, it took forty years, fifty years before we had immigration again in a serious way. And what happened is. We learned to live with these alien, uh, age, uh, these Italians and these Irish, and they were us, and we were them, and the country changed, and the Germans the same thing. And the, and the American political history becomes so-called uh, melting pot history period, right. from the 1920s uh, on. But the people who melted were also white. Right. There was never any thought that the American Indians, Native American Indian, let alone the now freed slaves, would melt into the dominant American population. Mm-hmm. It was still a white was dominant, but Protestant was not dominant. Mm-hmm. Uh, we made our peace gradually with, with well, I say, we, and the dominant people, made their peace with, with uh, you know, with the Catholics. Mm-hmm. We got a Catholic president after all in nineteen sixty two, but that, that was that was not expected. Right now, we have a Supreme Court that doesn't even have a Protestant. Yeah. Um. Uh. It, it's all Jewish and Catholic, as matter. Wow. Yeah. Uh, and uh. And and female and so forth. But that was inconceivable in the 1920s. Inconceivable that mm-hmm. you would have a Supreme Court made up of, of anything other than the most, uh, most elite of the white of the white population. Mm-hmm. Right. I think it
1: it also connects into the idea that sort of retaining the majority. I think we we of
0: Yes, that a little uh, bit. that's an extremely important point. Yeah, uh, when it looked as if there were going to be a lot of Italians and a lot mm-hmm. of Irish, certainly in our cities, and they could begin, they begin to have voting power, and uh, the, the Boston Irish, for example, um, um, and and the Italians in, in New York uh, became very important sort of ethnic groups. The only way the white race, and then the white race could remain dominant, is if the white race included them. Mm. If they excluded them, then suddenly the, the Protestant whites, the, the old the heritage whites, uh, founding whites, uh, would find themselves in a minority. Mm. Uh, that debate, of course, goes on today. Right. Uh, yeah. we'll it sounds to familiar. Yes, <laughs> it sounds very familiar. But we did it by whitening the, uh, the groups, especially the, the Jews, the Italians, the Irish, Central Europeans, uh, Southern Europeans. Um, in, in, in ways that we had thought we would not do it. Mm. We did not whiten the Asians yet. We're kind of doing that now. Mm. Um, and we certainly didn't whiten the Indian, and certainly didn't whiten the black. We did whiten wrong kinds of whites uh, because they had the wrong religion uh, in, in the first part of the 20th century. Right, right. Yeah. That's now, the census was a vehicle for all of sure. It's it's If, if the census had, refused, had never counted Italians and Irish and Jews as white and counted them as separate we would have a very different population, mm. different different politics today than we have. Okay. The census becomes enormously important right. in, in making these kinds of, of demographic uh, uh, allowances and adjustments. Mm-hmm. Uh, getting Trying to get the mulatto and the half-breed uh, out, out, of, out of American citizenship, keeping the blacks and the Indians mm-hmm. uh, as second-class citizens, of course, in the complicated... Mm-hmm. Asian population, same thing. So the census is an instrument of both inclusion uh, or exclusion, right? right? And for most of its history, it was an instrument for exclusion.
1: Okay. I think that's maybe a, a good uh, segue into what what happens with the census and sort of racial identity when we get this uh, up, up, uh, swell of maybe awareness and, and Activism that we saw from the civil rights movement. Uh, what, what's the role for the census there, and sort of what becomes from this uh, this movement?
0: Yeah, the most important thing to say uh, about the um, the civil rights movement is it it gets started when the census is counting uh, whites, blacks. Um, uh, uh, Reds, the Indian, mm-hmm. separately, uh, and, and counting now the Asian separately. Now, the Asian population is quite small. The Black, comparatively, less than 2% as right. the civil rights movement gets going. The Black population is about 12%, so it's a significant part of, of our population. The Indians, because they're, quote-unquote, on reservations, they're kind of excluded for, from a large part of this conversation, treated differently, um, and they're also small. They're under 3% of the population. Right at that time. So the civil rights um, uh, issue is really important because it kept the classification system that had been used to create discrimination and exclusion. It simply turned its purpose 180 degrees. Mm -hmm. It was used to create inclusionary policies, which were the civil rights policy. Not at first. The assumption of Martin Luther King so there were civil rights leaders, not all of them, but some of them, would be that we would have a colorblind country. Mm-hmm. Uh, we would even be, wouldn't even need a census question that, that, was, that had a, a, a racial classification component right. uh, to it. And the initial civil rights legislation presumed that you would handle cases of discrimination on a case-by-case basis. Yeah, that is, a person who felt they were discriminated against in employment or in education, can bring the case to the civil rights commission to the legal system and say i've been discriminated against if if that were true the employer would have to sort of make amends and allow this person to maintain the job or keep the job and so on. well that was very naive. Mm-hmm. the size of the caseload immediately overwhelmed the processes that is they were not couple of hundred people in a city that could say, I've been discriminated against, there were thousands, Mm -hmm. and there were tens of thousands, and there were hundreds of thousands. We're talking about 12% of the population. Right. Right. So within about a year or two, the entire civil rights conversation shifted from uh, a person being discriminated against to a group that had been historically discriminated against. Right. And then created in in ways that created enormously disadvantaged situations. Which is to say, you went to the category, or the concept of statistical proportionality. Mm-hmm. If there are 12% blacks, but only 3% in the workforce, in, in the, say, manufacturing in construction industry, uh, uh, only 3% or 2% or 1% going to America's major universities, right, uh, then something was wrong. And so statistical proportionality became the measure of, of, of discrimination and mistreatment, mm-hmm. including toward female half the population right if are half the population but they're not in in, in, in corporate well. positions they're not in higher education they're not getting phds in chemistry from Columbia University then something was wrong
1: right and this makes the census very important it's for public policy important. Yeah. incredibly
0: important because the entire statistical proportionality is a statistical process mm-hmm. so you, you've got to count the numbers figure out what the base denominator is and then what the numerator is. The denominator is black, white, or black, white, red, or black, white, red, yellow, um, or then Hispanics come into this subsequently as their numbers grow. Um, uh, They, um, you have that as the denominator, and then the numerator is, and how many are in the police department? Right. (laughs) How many are in the Supreme Court? How many are in uh, education? How many are getting, um, jobs in healthcare, Right. And so the denominator is the statistic and the numerator is the statistic and public policy then uh, is, is is shaped right. around those, around those uh, proportionalities.
1: It's, a, it's an interesting thought especially when you think about for this podcast specifically education and affirmative action such a hot topic uh, in, in the, the recent years and I think it's only going to get Hotter, and it seems like we're almost moving back to this idea of, of colorblind, uh, which I don't know. I guess it's a little bit different the census question, but certainly if we look at the the numbers, uh, it it is we haven't really fixed the initial problem, but we're already sort of moving away from what maybe the what the public policy answer prescription, whatever it might be. Uh, we, we prescribe to ourselves, so it's kind of an interesting.
0: It's a very difficult moment now uh, The civil rights movement put in place affirmative action policies, of course. They were initially intended uh, to benefit to compensate for the maltreatment obviously of the American Indian and the African American mm-hmm. populations in particular. Right. Um, they weren't intended to deal with the immigration issues, but uh, they weren't intended at first to deal with the uh, Asian population, as I say, was very small in in, in, in the 1960s um, when we had civil rights legislation. Certainly the Voting Rights Act was intended about, it was focused on discrimination uh, against African American blacks. Right. Um, uh, And it it, it worked. Uh, There's plenty of evidence that affirmative action uh, for higher education and for employment opportunities and for for contracting and so forth uh, really did improve this society in the nature. Mm-hmm. Um, uh The Italians and Irish said, "But wait a minute, we also were discriminated mm-hmm. against," and they were, and they're right. They were. Right. Uh, they weren't as much by the 1960s or 70s as they had, of course, been in the 1870s, 1880s, 1890s. Right. But they said we had to work our way into this position mm-hmm. of, of, of equality. We had to think it. We had to. Accomplish it on our own. Why are we now making it easier for other populations? Why can't they do what we need? Mm-hmm. Just work our way into the middle class and the offered of the police force and the fire departments into the higher education. Well, for one thing, a lot of special arrangements were made for the Irish. Uh, for mm-hmm. example, we created Catholic universities in the Bay uh, when they couldn't get were, and then we actually had to create black universities as well, for the right. same, same reasons we spoke of black colleges. Um, um, and we created women's colleges to compensate, to mm-hmm. you help know, them compensate for the fact that they were kept out of higher education because they were women. Right. Um, so it isn't as if we didn't sort of work on this problem independently.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: again, statistics being a fundamental foundation for this, if, if, if you're only talking about half percent of the population, then you don't worry about creating new universities for Right. Uh, but if you're talking about half the population the female case, or uh, uh, 12% of the population the black case, um, then, then you have to do that. Yeah. Know, in the Catholic case, of course, so, again, a large part of the population. Um, so the statistics become the, 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 the vocabulary, if you will, of public policy mm-hmm. in a major way around race questions, discrimination, equality questions by the 1960s, 1970s. Right. Uh, the, the, the vocabulary is, is really statistical. Therefore, what the census does, who it counts, how well it counts, is critically important right? Uh, to, this, to this public policy arrangement uh, dealing with, with racial injustices and gender injustices.
1: Right. So I think we can kind of uh, go to the point in, in history, I think it's very important to the conversation today, is how do we how do we get this uh, statistical category of Hispanic? Before we had white, black, uh, Asian, and uh, I guess American Indian, but now we have this sort of ethnicity, linguistic type connection. How was that born, and how did how did that get on the census? Yeah. Um,
0: the uh, the Hispanic population Mexican American population as, as it really was at the beginning until the Cuban of course mm-hmm. and then gradually the Caribbean but the we, we thought of the uh, the Mexican American population as a distinct and important group uh, mm-hmm. in our life in the Southwest and so forth partly mm-hmm. because of the agricultural workforce uh, some of it illegal from the very beginning some of it illegal on the laws that, that that were trying to govern the borders um, but over time, but the Mexican Americans, the southwest of Hispanics, but they were largely, as I say, Mexican Americans mm-hmm. in Central America, uh, Ecuadorian, okay. um, uh, Their numbers were large enough that they, they, and they were treated and, and they became citizens. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were large enough that they began to get office, especially in, in, in Mexico, Texas, Arizona. Um, uh, and they began to, have seats in congress they begin to get mayoralty uh, positions in, in the southwest um and their population grew in, in a way though regionally grew to a point you couldn't just ignore them so they were counted as white up until 1960. Hmm. then there was there was advocacy by the by the, um, what became the hispanic population agitation to be counted not as whites. We actually put on a, an American, uh, American question the census in, in 1930 mm. uh, and there was a strong reaction against it by Mexico itself mm. <clears throat> and by the Mexican-Americans. They know they were white. They wanted to stay white. Right. They did not want to be erased. So mm. finally we took it out in 1930. But by 1960 uh, there was pressure to include it, partly because of the civil rights conversation. Right. Uh, the first way we included it was technical issue, we to discuss it at great length, but basically we just counted uh, surnames and tried to make an estimate of the size mm-hmm. of, of the Hispanic population, what we then began to call the Hispanic population. Right. But by the 1970 census, we put a question on it. However, because the whole history of this population group had treated it as if it were not a separate race, but as largely white. Um, when we put it onto the census, by a complicated political conversation, that place, right. um, we would put it on the census as an ethnicity, mm. rather than as a race. Right. So in effect, by the time we get to the current period, by the time we get to the census with 2000 that I know most about, the actual race classifications is now the five old um, um 18th century categories and 1800 categories of, of um, five color codes plus this one ethnicity right Or uh, two ethnicities Hispanic non-hispanic right, right. Uh, So the 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 whole conversation about um, ethnicity and, 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 and racial justice and ethnic justice um, that is based in the statistics now has six primary categories. Mm-hmm. Um, by the time we get to 2000, right. And by the time we get to 2000, we add the mixed race category back. Yeah. Uh, uh, we add the cate- We add the question. We don't add a question. We simply say you can mark one or more. Right. Complicated. One or more meant one or more of the races. It wasn't uh, so you could be black white. You could be Indian white. You could be Indian black. You could be Asian white. Asian black. Right. Um, the Hispanics were outside of that. Because yeah. they were in ethnicity and weren't even in the same question. They were counted through a completely different question on the census.
1: Right. Interesting. Interesting.
0: Can you, to,
1: you got us up to the maybe contemporary ideas of, of race, or at least the census-wise. Can you maybe kind of talk about this idea that the census is somehow representative of, or it's like an identity Saying, well, we need to have our mark on the census as well, and and how does this idea get born, and, and how much how much of an impact does that have on policymaking?
0: Well, that's a very very major question. <laughs> um, it, it, there was some flirtation in the uh, earlier in, in, the, uh, in late late nineteenth century, mm-hmm. century, with the idea that, uh, especially by polls, for example, in Chicago, other places we want to be represented. We want to find ourselves on the census. So white ethnics began to kind of make a representational part. Of it. Mm-hmm. Up until that point, decisions about the race classification were completely made by white rivalries, yeah. who owned the census, ran the census, uh, and by members of Congress and so forth. The idea that you would ask a part of the population do you want to be counted or not be counted, it was inconceivable. We're taking with this a little bit uh, uh, and as I say at the end of the of the 1800s. Um, but uh, it doesn't become a major issue until the latter part mm. of the 20th century. Then you begin to get identity politics. And you get demands. People recognize now, realize that if they want visibility in the society in some major way, in public policy or just visibility, they need to know how many of them there are. Right, And so you, you begin to get pressure. And the, the the most successful expression of that pressure was in the multiple race by multiple race Mm -hmm. advocates. So that we actually added a representational component to the census in 2000 by the the Mark 1 or more or the multi-race category. Mm -hmm. But now the genie's out of the box. Because if you can take care of one population group based upon uh, representational claims, uh, not just racial justice claims, the multiple race Advocates in the in the nineteen hundreds, I mean the nineteen nineties, that led to the multiple rights question in two thousand, weren't saying they were discriminated against. Or it was a social justice question. They said we were we were not recognized mm-hmm. for who we are. Uh, it's the same thing now with with uh, gays and lesbians wanting right. to be represented on the census so they would be recognized for who they are. Um, uh, uh, but that started with. with with multiple races. So let's go to 2000 for a second. The other group that wanted to be on the census as a separate category were the Middle Easterners. And um, they agitated for their own question. And it was turned back down, it was not accepted Mm -hmm. um, for complicated reasons, partly because they couldn't decide if this was an Arab identity or a regional identity. Mm -hmm. Um, um, And then after 9-11, they were not so sure what they didn't dodge a bullet. Yeah. That uh, if you're doing anti-terrorism, you know, where all the Middle Easterners, the Arabs, or the Egyptians, or the um, Saudi Arabians, or whatever, are living, then then there's a, there's, a, there's an anxiety. After all, we didn't use the race, the census uh, uh, counts to in turn Japanese no. uh, in 41, uh, 42. At the Pearl Harbor. Right. So there was some experience in this country with using base numbers to in turn population groups. Mm-hmm. Um, and hugely important in the history of, of, of the roundup of the Jews in Europe. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the countries which had the best statistics on the Jewish population uh, rounded up faster and more of them. Wow. Uh, the, the Belgian census was good, the Dutch census was good, and they were used by the Nazis immediately mm-hmm. uh, to. That belonged off to the camps. Um, but the same thing with the Japanese. Yeah. Um, we knew where the Japanese blocks in San Francisco had what percentage of, of, of Japanese on it and it was very easy to go to that block and say, come on, get the bus, you're going to the camps. Um, and to the intern uh, stations. Um, so, in 9-11, we got back to the Middle Eastern case, uh, the, uh, they had agitated for inclusion. They weren't included and then when 9/11 came, I, I talked to many of them, and they were really kind of pleased they had not been on mm-hmm. However, they're back. Yeah, uh, they now are back, uh, very much wanting uh, their own category for representational expression of identity uh, rationales. Right. Um, this really complicates census taking. Yeah. If you if you say that the purpose of a census is to uh, count in order to make public policy. And then you also say, but it's also to shape identities or allow people to express their identities. Uh, mm. How many categories do you need in this classification right. system? Right, right. <laughs> <I mean, laughs> never ending. Never ending. Uh, we, there, we're now roughly 320 million people. We need 320 million categories in order everybody have their own. Well, then it's meaningless, of course. Well. Right. Um, can you, go
1: ahead. So sorry. I was going to say, can you kind of, before maybe we get into your prescription for fixing the census, I know people have kind of, they want to add more questions or things like that, or they, they want a different different ways to count. And I think one of the things that, that you've mentioned uh, is that you've, you've heard people say this uh, street race or street right. identity, and, and kind of wanting that to be a, kind of the census. Can you kind of talk about, before you talk about what you think could work, right. why right. this
0: Look, doesn't work. This is the. There are very strong, very very strong um, sentiments in, in population groups um, uh, that feel like they are um, discriminated against because of what they look like yeah. on the street. So they talk about having a street race, and the street race is, you know, can I get a taxi or not get a taxi because of what I look like? Do mm-hmm. I look Hispanic? Uh, do I look Black? Do I look Indian? Do I look uh, whatever Puerto Rican? We uh, don't, you know. Um, and, and they have a very important argument today, that if they are mistreated and we, have, we, we do what we call audit studies where we, um, uh, and there's simply no doubt that um, uh, people who show up to rent an apartment who otherwise are exactly the same as somebody else who shows up but the one who looks black or looks Hispanic mm-hmm. or looks Indian is less likely to get the apartment than the one mm-hmm. who looks white. Uh, we've got lots of studies that do that. Uh, we've got studies where we simply give it, send in the exact same description for a job. Right. And only vary the name. So it sounds like a black name versus a white name, right. European, African, instead of. Um, or it varies from Hispanic name to, to European name. And the response to the, you know, to the job application is overwhelmingly uh, favors those who have a European name. Mm-hmm. So there's no doubt that what, what people continue to be discriminated against in the society based upon what they are thought to be by other people or what they look like to be by other people. Right. Now, that's a very subtle process. Mm-hmm. And the statistics are incapable of detecting that process. Right. As I say to one person that I've talked to about these things, she's a, uh, an Hispanic, um, uh, Lawrence, Hispanic, although an Irish grandparent, I think. Certainly, I a mother, I think Um So she's in that mixed. She lives in Southwest. She says, "Down there, I walk the streets; it's not an issue. Mm-hmm. Up here, I walk the streets, and it is an issue." But then I ask her, "I say, is it a different issue depending on what street you're walking on?" Well, of course. <laughs> <laughs> if you're walking in a white suburb, um, uh, then it's very different from if you're walking uh, in, a, in a street in New York City. Uh, that's itself already mixed or if you're walking on the street in, in New York mm-hmm. in the, or in Chicago in the police section it's different from the census can't possibly measure her in terms of which street that she's walking on right. and therefore the discrimination she feels like she's experiencing and there are many 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 cases right. of, of, of this so you you now pose what is really the toughest question Right. if you want to use the census both for justice reasons for detecting disparities, discrimination proportionate to the size of the population, which mm-hmm. is what the census can do, right. and simultaneously use it to allow people to express their identity,
2: mm-hmm.
0: the, uh, let's say, the diversity argument. Right. We, we, we talk endlessly about diversity and, and how important it is to our working force, our military, our higher education system have a healthier, higher education system. You have a more diverse population. But diversity is beyond measure. Mm-hmm. Because diversity is simply not just however many people want to call themselves different kinds of things. Right. But it's the mixture of those things. Yeah. No statistical system can, can count um, not just, say, the five races, but also the five races and cross, cross-tabbed or uh, uh, cross-analyzed with, uh, with gender, cross-analyzed, with social class, mm-hmm. cross-analyzed, with where they came from. So you, you cannot create a, a measurement system that can capture diversity the way in which we would like to experience it, um, including intellectual diversity in higher education. Right. Uh, when we say we want different mm-hmm. diverse groups, it's because we think they bring a the new thing to the conversation. Right. But all kinds of groups can bring something to the conversation. Musicians bring something to a conversation that differs. What physicists bring to the conversation. Mm. Um, so w- we have to confront the fact that that our, our 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 interest in diversity, demographic diversity, but diversity in lots of different dimensions, um, is is beyond the capacity of a measurement system to do it. Right. right. On the other hand, what's not beyond the measurement? cat capacity measurement system is to figure out if there are disparities mm-hmm. that are visible upon different demographic groups right um, here and to get to my uh, Your uh, my, prescription, my, argument, right, my yeah. prescription, I think we need granularity not yeah. large categories we need granularity mm-hmm. because the um, the, the Korean American uh, in the software industry, in uh, Silicon Valley, are the uh, the Indian, uh, uh, so they, the Asian Indian, um, are doing extremely well in in the financial market in New York City or whatever, is very different from the Vietnamese um, immigrant in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. So, but, but on the other hand, those three poss- they're all in one big statistical right. category. Um, so I, I think that what we need is we need a measurement system that is much, much more granular, both uh, demographically and geographically. Right. Uh, and we can do that. The census is capable of, of doing that. And, and, and detect discrimination, detect disparities, detect injustices on the particular groups that are actually experiencing. It. Right. And sometimes that can be uh, Appalachian whites. Yeah, uh, it's not necessarily the, the racial minorities. It can be white minorities in certain social conditions uh, that are being got uh, uh, bad care.
1: Right. So looking at this this origin in in the census, instead of using the you know the classic black white, it it might help this problem like we see in affirmative action, where uh, I, I think we talked about where maybe it's a recent immigrant, um, a middle class. Uh, black family from somewhere in Africa comes here and then they're still basically middle class it, it's not the uh, former slave population. Is, it, is that what affirmative action was trying to fix? And, and we can maybe see that through through this origin idea.
0: Well, the us stick with that example for a moment. Sure. Um, the affirmative action policies were certainly intended to fix the, the historic discrimination against African Americans brought here as slaves right? and not allowed to own property, uh, not allowed to get education, edu- decent education, not not allowed to buy into the right real estate market. So there's a cumulative disadvantage, even after the Civil War, in slavery. Right. There's a disadvantage that that brings us to the situation of inner city blacks today.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, uh, enormously, this this heritage of, 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 of Jim Crow legislation, discrimination legislation, slavery itself, and so forth. Um, now, if we want to do something with that population group and we mix it up with this recent arrival of the Ethiopians who are very well educated or mm-hmm. uh, uh, the Kenyans or the Ghanaians or the Nigerians who are middle class, who are professional, who are putting their kids in private schools in order to keep them away from the inner city blacks, mm-hmm. if, the, if the census category puts all those, those groupings together, we, we are not making good public policy. Right. Because we do not have the, the right target population that, that needs that, that policy uh, attention. Um, that is, better inner city schools where the, uh, the disadvantaged blacks are still uh, uh, crowded. Right. Um, and, and that is just not captured are the, within the Asian population. We talk about the model minority of Asians. Well, yes. Korean Americans, Japanese Americans, Chinese Americans are doing extremely well in mm-hmm. the education system and in the employment market. Um, they indeed have higher average incomes than in the white population, but that's that's the that's some part of the Asian population, right? Uh, uh, not not the Vietnamese or the Hmong. Um And if we can't find the groups that are being penalized, same thing with the, the Hispanics. Cuban Americans right. are doing very well, thank you. Uh, as are many of the Caribbean uh, population mm-hmm. groups. Um, but, but not the Haitians, uh, as maybe as much as the Dominicans. Uh, so if the measurement system doesn't find the Dominicans and the Haitians, or doesn't find the Ecuadorian versus the Cubans, then the measurement system is not helping us mm-hmm. to deal with social injustice uh, and, and disparities and discrimination.
2: Right,
1: right. So kind of wrapping up, any last comments or thoughts on, on this, this idea?
0: Yeah, it's a very difficult system to change. Right. Uh, there's enormous inertia in these race categories that we've had now for over 200 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we will have some version of them for the next 50 years. We won't change it overnight. Right. My simple argument is that we ought to try to run simultaneously measures where we have granularity based upon national origin, immigrant mm-hmm. status, and the same old five categories. And do the analysis... Mm. that allows us to find how much of the things we want the statistical system to do for us can do with this greater granularity. And what it can't do with these big five umbrella categories, the old color Pentagon colors from 200 years ago and more, um, then we gradually phase that out. Mm. Um, So I'm talking about a a, a half-century experiment where we have more than one data set Right. to do the kind of analysis that we need to do, both policy analysis, academic analysis. I think that can be done, um, and I've written a book to try to recommend how, how we could do that.
1: Okay, fantastic. Uh, and kind of the, the final question on, on all New Book Network podcasts, uh, what are you working on next? Do you have anything coming up or anything, thoughts, any interesting ideas that you, that you might be uh, uh, working on for the future?
0: Uh, yes, i would be very quick on that, a uh, big complicated topic. <laughs> I, I think that the, uh, I'm working on the future of, of scholarly knowledge, not knowledge mm. as such, there are lots of kinds of knowledge, there's religious knowledge, there's craft knowledge, there's artistic knowledge, and so forth. But, if, but what we think of as scholarly knowledge, mm. which is the kind of research universities produce. produced. Right. Um, what is its future in the digital age? Mm. Uh, uh, we, we talk a lot about the future of higher education in the digital age, and we mean by that teaching, um, to technologies, the MOOCs, and so forth. But I'm particularly interested in what's going to happen to knowledge when so much of knowledge is now being produced uh, in, in effect by by social media, by Google, by Apple, right. uh, used in the society to make decisions and so forth. Where, where's scholarly knowledge going to fit into the, the digital culture in the next thirty or forty years? That's a big, complicated
1: question. Okay. Well, we'll certainly uh, look forward to that. So, just want to thank uh, Dr. Kenneth Pruitt. And I encourage everyone to go check out his book, What is Your Race? The Census and Our Flawed Efforts to Classify Americans. Uh, And thank you guys for joining. And I hope you learned something. Thank you.